Welcome to the Limitless Mindset Podcast. This podcast will teach you to acquire superhuman mental abilities and hack your reality. In this episode, we discuss 15 high leverage skill sets which exist at the intersection of being easy or fast to learn, but are also quite valuable in the business world. Thanks for joining the Limitless Mindset podcast today. The song that you're listening to right now is actually a very special song. It's from a band called Obsession. And this band was actually around for a couple of very entertaining moments in my career. Back when I used to do event coordination and throw parties at nightclubs, this band would frequently perform at our shows. And the first time they ever performed at one of my shows, it was a white party. A white party is a party where everyone wears white clothing. And at this particular white party, I had actually purchased a laser. So we, I had purchased this industrial strength laser that was shooting these laser beams over all these people that were dressed up in white outfits that were dancing in front of this band, putting on a really great show. And for some reason, I was nearby the stage and someone gave me the mic and I had a moment of 
boldness where I decided that it would be a good idea for me to buy the whole nightclub all drinks. So I was given the microphone between sets and I got up and said, hey, how is everyone? Are you having a great time? Are you enjoying the band? And then I said, all right, I've got a special thing going on for you guys here. The bar has my credit card at it, so go order whatever drink you want. And then en masse, the entire crowd of people in the nightclub went and ordered drinks on my tab, and I ended up having one of the largest bar tabs I've ever had. Uh, the second story that happened with this particular band was I actually got in a sword fight with the manager of this band. We were at a house party at the manager's, at the manager's home for New Year's, and we, everyone was having a good time. It was like that after the ball has dropped vibe where the night's kind of winding down, but it's still a little bit crazy. And the band manager, who was a good friend of mine, walked into the room and he was carrying two, like, rapier, three musketeer style swords. And he gave one to me and we started having a sword fight with each other inside of his home. I think I ended up winning the sword fight because I did one of these moves where you like spin around and then cut the other person in the leg by like ducking down but I didn't actually cut him so this is a uh, so th this is a band called Obsession I recommend that you check them out and that's our uh, that's our badass story for this episode there we go it's going to be tough okay. to match that and so we got a special special guest for you guys today on this show it's the the third member of the Roseland Boy Trio. We got Alex Roseland with us tonight. Hey there, everybody. I had to get involved with this at some point. So, As you all know, this whole Limitless Mindset thing is actually somewhat of a family endeavor. And my brother Alex has a lot of skills and a lot of experience he's acquired over the years that are very relevant to our subject matter for this episode. So this episode is on high leverage skill set acquisition. And as a lot of you have heard before, core, one of our core philosophies here at Limitless Mindset is that the most clear path towards success, happiness, and personal development in any dimension or aspect of your life is to develop real skill sets in that area. And so what we're going to look at here is we're going to look at 15 different skill sets that are going to be relatively easy to pick up and are going to get a lot of mileage out of you. Either they're going to be very valuable in making you money in your career or they're going to be valuable to you in a social context. So let's dive into skill number one. And the number one high leverage skill set, no surprise to most of you people, is sales. And so sales is something of a generalization. And at some point, we're going to do an entire episode diving really deep into it. But sales is, I've always thought about it as the ability to, to get people to say yes to what you want them to do. If you're going to put a generalization of a definition on sales, that's what it is. And sales breaks down from there into a number of smaller verticals. It breaks down into the lead generation. It breaks down into qualifying. It breaks down into building a value proposition. And it breaks down into closing. And then debatably, 
the most important part of sales is after the sale has occurred to make sure that you are retaining that customer so that you can continue to sell to them. And the reason that sales is such a high leverage skill set is because you can learn it. It's the quintessential on the job skill set. You can be a person with no college degree and with very little career history, if any, and you can go into a company or an organization that is a very high-powered, profitable, real business, doing a lot of real transactions that has a lot of opportunities coming into it, and they will give you an opportunity to be a salesperson for you, and at the same time, they will also provide you with a really excellent on-the-drive training and I would say that like for example uh, my history is that I started as a car salesman at the very end of my teenage years I started at a dealership I was actually able to get a job at the highest uh, performance car dealership in my state and we had an incredible amount of opportunity there and they paid us several thousand dollars the first couple months that we were there in addition to putting us through really high performing sales training class and so that ended up being a very valuable skill set in my experience I've noticed that a lot of people start off in sales because you don't need a lot of prerequisites to get into it and it's a job that However much you put into it is what you're going to take out of it. So some people, just a little part-time thing that they do on the side, some people make it their life and they dedicate themselves to advancing their craft. And, you know, there's a lot of people who that's all they do is sales and they make very, very good money. But there's a lot of people who fail miserably just because there's such a low requirement for entry that anyone can do it. One of the first things they teach you in sales, which I feel is really applicable to uh, most other parts of people's lives is when you're trying to get someone to do what you want, how to always present that in terms of them getting what they want. And how to always, when you're, whenever you're dealing with other people, how to always deal with them um, through that perspective that we're working within their interests to get them what they want. And then what, what you ultimately always want to do is take what you want and in some way and in some form um, kind of align that with what they want to do and what sounds best to them and that's probably one of the biggest things I've learned from sales that's really helped me in different aspects of my life as far as job interviews, buying, selling, dealing with the freaking customer service guy on the phone, um, whatever it is, always look at things from the other person's perspective and think what do they want whether it's them wanting more money wanting just to have a pleasant conversation or laugh and talk or feel important or or feel like a valued person always give them what they want and then you will always get what you want so many people I see in my daily life make the mistake of they want something so they look at it from their perspective and just try and demand force and ask other people to do what they want and so many times it just fails miserably because people have no reason to do it so this is something you can do really throughout your entire life whenever you're dealing with anybody is try to ask yourself what does this person want and how can I make them either feel like they're getting what they want or actually give them what they want in combination with me getting what I want and you will always have better results so that's a, a basic bit of knowledge that uh, you know I feel that sales people really have a uh, an edge 
in, in learning that skill, and it's a good thing to, to kind of always teach yourself and think about when you're dealing with people in the world. Definitely. Well said, Alex. Thanks, Alex. I believe that's like the second law of power from the Orange Book, the 48 uh, Laws of Power. Okay. And I, oh, I forget if it's the second one or if it's like the tenth one, but it's do not appeal to people's sense of generosity, their sense of loyalty, their sense of ethics. Appeal to people's self-interest. And that's what a lot of sales is. A lot of sales also is doing what other people will not do. There's certain activities within sales which aren't particularly difficult or strenuous to do, but they're just very unappealing seeming and very few people are willing to do these activities. For example, very few people are willing to cold call a stranger and ask them to buy your product. But the interesting thing about cold calling is that very few people actually cold call for small business purposes in this day and age. Partially, I think it's because of the popularity of the internet and the targeting that's available on the internet, which is great. But there's so few people in this day and age that are willing to cold call that I've been actually doing some cold calling recently in some of my businesses these past couple weeks. And I'm amazed at how willing busy people are to take 10 or 15 minutes out of their day to listen to my entire pitch. And it's not that cold calling is so hard or so strenuous. It's just one of those things that, those things that seems like it'd be difficult, which seems unappealing. So a lot of sales is being willing to go the extra mile and do the things that other people aren't willing to do. The second high leverage skill set goes hand in hand with sales and that is negotiation. So when you hear when you hear negotiation a lot of people think about attorneys fighting with each other in a courtroom or they think about really sophisticated business deals going on and those are certainly aspects of negotiation. But I'm going to say that about half the battle of negotiation is being the one that dictates dictates terms of the transaction. So what that means is that you have an opportunity that comes onto your radar which involves another person or another organization. And so what you do is you reach out to that organization and you're like, hey, this opportunity has presented itself. We should consider working together. And what make it always a point if it's something that's going to take your time or your money or your resources, always dictate terms first. And this just sets you up for success because when you give other people the opportunity to say, well, this is how much I want to pay for something. This is what I'm willing to contribute for something. You're always giving them the optimal positioning in the transaction. So make sure that you go into negotiations dictating the terms. The Another point that you want to keep in mind is you want to acquire as much knowledge as possible about what the ancillary goals are of the other party in the transaction. So let's take a very simple transaction for example. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's say you're at a ball game. You want to scalp some tickets. All right, let's let's start off. 
with arming yourself with information. They're playing the Cleveland Indians. The guy says, $20. You say, hey, man, it's Cleveland. I'll give you 10 He goes, all right, that's a good point. And the Rockies are under 500. We're the worst team in baseball. I'm about to watch two awful teams play baseball. I'm not paying $20 for some tickets. All of a sudden, he can't argue with either of those points. What's the quickest way to win an argument? No, the other person's points. Isn't that right? That's very true. I know one of the first, one of the uh, best things military tacticians know is always have the initiative, and so I think that really goes in line with what uh, John and Woody are saying: is the person that sets out with the clear mission and the clear goal, and the person who's just kind of on the receiving end um, is probably going to get less of a deal than the person who is uh, who's moving forward. All right, Woody, I'd like to demonstrate a negotiation tactic here. Negotiate with me. Okay, so we're going to pretend that I'm the guy that wants to buy some tickets to, like, this swanky charity event that you're being an MC at. Am I the the scalper? So you're the scalper in this situation. So I walk up to you, have a gorgeous girl on my arm, of course. Of course. So, Woody, how much are tickets to this event? Hey, guy, you got tickets for, like, $50. $50? Fifty dollars, man! Come on, yeah, it's a great deal. You got tickets for fifty dollars. You and your beautiful fifty dollars. You're gonna have a great time. Hundred dollars, giving you a great deal. No one else here has tickets that good. Fifty dollars. Fifty dollars, man! Move it or lose it. Come on, I don't got okay. all night. So you guys saw what I did right there. Is this is a situation where I didn't follow the piece of advice that I gave earlier, which is dictating terms. I came up and I asked the gentleman sitting across from me to dictate terms. So that was the first mistake that I made. But the second thing that I did was that I gave a, I gave an emotional reaction of disgust to the first price that he throws out. So I mean, I think your first mistake was going on a date with a pretty girl and not having tickets set up, man. Come on, no excuses. Play like a champion here. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> you never know. It could have been a last-minute thing. There you, know? you go. True, it's, true, true. It's, but seriously... A negotiation tactic that's very effective is that if you are in a situation, and it happens to us occasionally, where the other party is dictating terms, the very first thing that they tell you, even if it's a reasonable price, respond with almost a cough of disgust in response to their price. And that will immediately communicate that their price is an absurd price. Even if it's exactly what you were planning on paying, that will immediately, it takes a emotional, it's a significant emotional withdrawal that you are taking from the transaction and it sets up the other person to offer back their lowest dollar offer possible. And that worked really effective for me at Dollar Tree the other day. Skill set number three goes along. Actually, skill set number three and four go along with this. As you can see, we're kind of in a thread here. Skill set number three is contract drafting. This goes along with dictating terms is you always want to be the person that is drafting the contracts for the transactions that you are a party to. And the reason why is because... Well, there's a ton of reasons why. You get your small print in there. Screw them that way. <laughs> uh, for real, for real. The, there's, you have a tremendously significant more amount of control of the transactions going on when you're the ones that are writing the contracts. And this is something 
Like, I'm, like for instance, have you ever read uh, legislation? The little fine print, little stuff they sneak in there? Yeah. The one who's writing the contract is the one with all the power. I mean, if you're looking at the ACTA bill, the CISPA bill, all the cyber monitoring bills, all the fine print, all the stuff they say that's a little bit open-ended, that they can legally go in when something's open-ended like that. Yeah, it's it's fine print because the, fine the, people, print. That, the people that draft the contracts hold the most power. So... Especially, it's especially helpful in transactions because let's say you're doing a business transaction with another individual. You go and you negotiate the terms with them and then at the end of negotiate, it's actually a great way to initiate a test close in a transaction is say, okay, great, all of my attorneys draft the contracts because what you're doing by that statement is, especially if this other person Maybe this other person doesn't have, you know, the $400 an hour to pay an attorney to draft the contracts. So you're essentially, you're depositing value into the relationship. And that value can't really be quantified exactly in terms of dollars. But if you're like, hey, don't worry about the contracts. I'm going to take care of all that. That releases them from the stress of putting together contracts. Now, a lot of the people listening to this podcast might be thinking, okay, great. So I need to draft my own contracts, but I'm not an attorney and I don't have contracts. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how to speak legalese and draft legalese. How is this going to help me? Well, you guys know we're always trying to hook you up. So if you head over to the Limitless Mindset website and check out the show notes for this page, I'm actually going to include a download of uh, it's a, probably about 50 different contracts that I've used over the years to do all kinds of transactions. Everything from IT services to equity positions and startup companies to delineations of responsibilities and partnerships to vendor agreements, affiliate agreements. A lot of the types of contracts that you could imagine ever needing for your business, I'm going to have them downloadable on our website. So just head over to LimitlessMindset.com and you can download those and customize those for your own purposes. Next. All right, hold up. Before before we move on, I just had a couple, a couple quick points with some contract drafting. If you're getting started out there doing a pretty basic con- contract, here are a couple quick points are be precise. You want to be accurate, complete, and exact. You want to be clear and specific and very focused with what you say and mean. You want to be sure to balance your precision with simplicity. You don't want overly complicated statements. So balance precision with simplicity in your contracts. Some good advice I have for people. If you lose the initiative and don't draft your own contract... Get an attorney to review your contract. A lot of people get into fields and industries and areas of life that they're not super familiar with, and they don't draft their contract themselves. Another person drafts it, and they draft it either pro-buyer or pro-seller, more in their interest. So a good thing to avoid getting screwed over is have someone review your contracts if it's something's big and serious, like a business partnership, buying a house on some type of creative financing deal. Have your contracts reviewed 
That way you're not getting screwed over in the end in some small way, and you're also getting the best deals. A lot of times if you have your attorney review a contract, you can modify a couple parts of it to make it a little bit more pro-buyer, pro-seller, whatever your position is, and get a better deal out of the whole thing. So always have it reviewed if you don't really know what you're doing or aren't too familiar in a certain field that the contract pertains to. Definitely. This uh, this piece of advice goes out to Edward Severon. <laughs> <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> The next skill set that goes along with this is proposal writing. And so it's very valuable to be able to create proposals. Because let's say a lot of times people will start talking. Two business people will meet each other some way. They'll start talking about what are the things that they can do. Folks, we apologize for those sounds in the background. I'm not sure if you can hear them, but we recently had the 4th of July, which here in America is our celebration. Uh, So that's what you hear in the background. Sorry about that. Proposal writing is very valuable because, again, it's a way of, in a very subtle yet aggressive way, taking the upper ground in a negotiating transaction because you're outlining on paper the way that a relationship is going to work and what are the contributions of resources, time, money, personnel, tools, software, etc. into a particular endeavor. And it's funny, I when I was younger, I had what some would consider an absolute dream job. I had this company that would pay me $500 a week for about 10 hours of, of, of work. When I was about 22, I was 22, no college degrees, but I could I was getting paid $50 an hour to write entertainment proposals because I had the skill set of writing proposals and it wasn't actually a very developed skill set I just had some good templates and I was a creative writer and I was willing to take the time to organize everyone's thoughts into a proposal and for that I was compensated $500 a week for about 10 hours of work why did you quit that job John <laughs> that's, are, they, are they hiring right now? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a story that I actually tell in episode one of the podcast. If you go back and listen to episode one, I tell the complete story behind that job. Uh, those of you who are looking for proposal templates, we'll have those available also in the downloads area. Uh, so a couple couple quick tips for you. When writing a proposal, once again, real basic, rudimentary tips. First, you want to think, who is my audience? You need to decide to whom you're writing a proposal. You need to make sure that you think about your audience and what they might already know or not know about what you're proposing. Second, what do I want my audience to get from my proposal? The overall purpose of the proposal should be to get the reader's approval. Your main purpose should be clearly stated. The reader should not have to figure out what you are requesting in the proposal. The best advice is to state your purpose up front and then fill in details later. And third, how can I make sure my audience understands what I want them to know? you got to put yourself in their shoes and make sure that you're coming across clear to them on what you want and what you want to achieve. Thanks, Woody. The next high leverage skill set, and this is changing gears a little bit from the thread that we were just on, is being a open source software developer or being a programmer. And a lot of people might say, wow, I thought that software, anything programming related took like 
a computer science degree and years and years of education. And nowadays, it really doesn't because of what's called the open source movement. And so the open source movement is essentially software tools that have been developed by a community that are open to being edited and being changed and being, the way I like to describe it is being remixed for whatever the purposes of a particular project are. So in this day and age, if you want to create, say, a website that's a membership website that has e-commerce ability and that will do video also for your customers, you don't need to build that website from scratch with zeros and ones. What you can do is you can go out to the internet to a open source community forum and you can find which e-commerce software platforms are the highest rated as being reliable and easy to use and consumer friendly and then you can figure out which multimedia software components are rated as being the very best and then you can figure out which membership community building type functions are rated as being the very best and you can take these pieces and put them together with each other and build a website in a short amount of time on a budget of usually just a couple hundred bucks for the licensing costs that 10 years ago or 15 years ago probably would have cost you a quarter million dollars and six months to develop. And this is done using open source tools. And if you're relatively tech savvy, and if you're listening to this podcast, if you're able to figure out how to use iTunes or able to figure out how to use an iPhone, you're probably tech savvy enough to figure out a good deal of how open source software fits together. It's almost it's almost kind of like, it's a little bit more like uh, putting together a puzzle than it is painting a picture and clients and small businesses that are in need of creative online solutions for accomplishing their goals will compensate you very, very well for open source website development. I've found that on average my clients compensate me anywhere between $50 to about $85 to $95 an hour for open source website development services, just depending upon a couple of different variables that go into it. Websites and the internet are not going anywhere. They're they're gonna be here for a while. They're not a they're not a fad. We're not they're not hula hoops. So websites and online services are something people are gonna need for a very long time, for the foreseeable future, really. And it's not a job that's gonna get outsourced to China any anytime soon or outsourced to robots because people are always going to want to have a human, personable local connection to the people that they are purchasing their web consultation and their web strategy services from. And it's a skill set that takes, I would say, anywhere between six months to a year to get pretty competent at. The next skill set that goes with that is being a mobile application developer. And this is something that I think pretty much everyone who's listening to this podcast has heard of is mobile applications that are on your phone and most of the phones run off of either completely open source in the form of Linux with Android or on the iPhone platform where it's semi open source environments 
Five to ten years ago, mobile application was something that would run you $20,000 to create an application for your purposes on a smartphone. Nowadays, you can pull together tools and develop something for as little as I've seen 50 bucks to 100 bucks. And that's another skill set that's going to be very high leverage, but at the same time, it's not going to take a four-year college degree to figure that out. In fact, a couple of resources that I recommend to people that want to get a really fast, really inexpensive education in some of these technical skill sets is codeacademy.com and then udemy.com is also a really good resource. Udemy is spelled the way it sounds. It's spelled U-D-E-M-Y dot com and it's a pretty cool website that you go on to and you sign up and then it has literally I think a couple thousand different courses that you can take on all different aspects of technical skill sets and the courses start they have free courses that are available that all you need is a email address to sign up for and you can take a free course that will give you actually a free education take you an hour or two to go through the videos and then they also have courses that go all the way up to I think around 200 bucks that will teach you uh, video modules of say you know five or ten different video modules of an hour each and then they'll test you on the skill sets and then you'll be able to go in and do say some Python development or Ajax development or creating some custom e-commerce solutions and you can learn these things really fast you don't have to go to college for four years do you, do you think they have any videos like that on Khan Academy Khan Academy yeah What's Khan Academy? Never heard of Khan Academy? No, I haven't. It's pretty dope, man. You gotta check it out. You're, I sent you the thing, Alex. Yeah, um, it's this really neat website, which is... It's, yeah, guess, this guy, he just has a bunch of videos about a bunch of stuff. You should check it out, man. Not super relevant to our point right now, but you guys should go to it. Cause they might have stuff on coding. I don't know. Yeah, Khan Academy, we'll put that in there. To be honest, I've acquired the majority of my open source website development skills... Through YouTube. And a Vulcan mind meld with a little Asian man. <laughs> Don't tell the podcast listeners about that, Woody. <laughs> yeah, you, YouTube is, is, is a resource that you can learn a lot of different skill sets from as well. So I would encourage everyone to, uh, as opposed to watching funny videos of kittens doing ridiculous things or people fighting each other on YouTube, head over to YouTube and you can actually pick up some skill sets there that people will compensate you handsomely for. The next skill set that goes along with this is SEO. And a lot of you are probably familiar with SEO. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. And it is the art slash science of taking a particular website and moving it to the top of the Google search results for a given search query. For example, there's probably a lot of people listening to this podcast because they did a Google search for how to be limitless, or they might have done a Google search for limitless pill in real life and found this, our website, through those kind of search queries because those were search phrases that I specifically optimized our website to appear on top for. And search engine optimization is going to be a relevant skill set for the foreseeable future. 
all over the world, develop, people in developing countries are using search engines more and more to find the products and the services they want. So if you can develop some competency with this particular skill set, you'll be able to sell your consulting time for between 50 to $70 an hour. And search engine optimization is something that is always changing. It's a skill set that's kind of like being a doctor because there's always new trends coming out that you need to keep yourself aware of. But if you're willing to learn the core principles and the core practices of the skill set and then spend a couple of hours every month reading up on what the trends are with the changing algorithms, you'll be able to be very competent at getting websites ranked, which will make you invaluable as a consultant or in your own businesses or, or really as a career. A lot of companies, big and small nowadays, are hiring more and more sales force, or not, uh, not sales force, but marketing personnel specifically for their SEO skill set. Next high value skill set is video production. And video is just really hard to beat as a medium for expressing your message about your company or your personality or your product to the world. And in the current digital age where people spend such a high proportion of their day looking at rectangular glowing screens, video is just becoming an increasingly relevant medium that people are spending more and more time on. So if you can learn some of the basic software tools to produce video, you're going to be very valuable. I know the last time I hired a video consultant for a client's project, he billed us out at $90 an hour and we paid it because he was pretty good at what he did. And that's, that's excellent money for the time. And again, it doesn't take a tremendous amount of time to produce videos. There is, obviously, there's, re, there's you know, the real professionals at it, the people working in Hollywood. Those are people that have gone to college for a long time. But you can spend a couple of months familiarizing yourself with some of the leading software that's out there, and you can bill highly con for your consulting time along with that. Definitely. One time in college, for my dorm, we had to make an advertisement video, or we could make an advertisement video, and the best one won a $500 gift card. So me and my buddies put our limited video production skills together and made a video and made $500. Hmm. Bought us a lot, a lot of beer that semester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, making YouTube videos is a really fun thing to do. If you want to get out there in front of people a little bit more and kind of get your message and yourself out there, um, there's a lot of room on YouTube to make how-to videos or just interesting videos about anything. I've made a couple of them myself. And it's, uh, it's always fun to do, too. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for an another avenue where you can get out there, get your message out to people, get some free advertising in, um, you know, take a couple days, make a really high-quality YouTube video, and that's a, that's a great way to get out in front of people. Also, you can monetize your YouTube account and make some solid money. Get that YouTube money! Speaking of YouTube accounts, you definitely want to go and check out youtube.com backslash limitless mindset. Very educational and sometimes quite interesting videos there on the subjects of mind power and life hacking. In fact, 
One day I got really bored while I was producing video, so I started talking in my monotone American accent, but then I started rolling my arrs at the end of <laughs> every arr. <laughs> so if you guys want to hear me roll my arrs a lot and sound ridiculous, head over to our website, LimitlessMindset.com, and click on our YouTube link. The ninth high leverage skill set is event coordination and marketing. Now, this skill set differs a little bit from the skill sets we mentioned before because it's not tremendously lucrative. You'll have a hard time billing your hourly rate for this type of service out for more than I'd say 30 to $40 an hour. Where event coordination and marketing is extremely valuable as a skill set is in making you connections and in building your social network with influential people that can open up opportunities for you. Why is this? Everyone always wants to be friends with a person that's throwing the party, correct? These people just automatically have extra social proof. They just automatically have larger social networks. So if you can be the person that's coordinating and marketing an event, you're just going to open your social group way, way up to influential people in your city. Um, in fact, when I was, I was an event coordinator and an event marketer as a profession for several years, and I was just amazed at all the kinds of people that came into my circle as a result. Everyone from, uh, everyone from, from veritable rock stars to local politicians to people that were on TV, people that owned magazines and newspapers, they would all come to my parties, and I was able to network in with some of those people and create some really valuable connections that are actually still valuable to me. And event coordination and marketing is not terribly technical to do. There are some technicalities and some best practices to it, but it's something that six months to a year of education will make you a pretty sharp event coordinator and an event marketer, and then you can use it to really open up your social network. In fact, if I end up moving to another city again, and have to essentially kind of start my social network over again, start from zero, I will definitely go back into the event coordination business for about six months to open up my social network. And in fact, if there's anyone listening to this podcast, and I'm sure there is, that's making a move to a new city, I'd highly encourage you to dabble in event coordination once you arrive in your new destination. When throwing an event, one thing that you can do to help expand the reach of it is have the event before something before a cause before a charity before something going on because that way if it's for something and people know that they're going to this event and it's going to raise money for cancer going to help raise money for homeless people you know who knows what then all of a sudden it becomes their way of helping out the world and so it's a lot easier to get like famous people to come if they know that it's doing something good. So event coordination, excellent way to open up your social circle. 
Next high leverage skill set is basic accounting. And accounting is obviously a very professional, legitimate skill set. And so we don't want to belittle it in that respect. But if you have a small business endeavor that you're involved with, maybe you have some partners, if you're willing to take on the accounting responsibilities, that is very valuable within any business operation. And a lot of times you can learn some basic Excel spreadsheet skills, learn some basic uh, software that manages accounting, pick up the Quicken app for your smartphone, and it only takes a couple of hours of training to get a competency with those softwares, and then you can be a very valuable asset to whatever business you're involved with. Do you know? Do you know the accounting, uh, the accounting formula, the basic accounting formula? It's assets equals liabilities plus owner equity. Get your head in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice, Woody. Next skill set is forex trading. So this is trading currencies on the international currency exchange market. And this is a skill set that is high leverage by nature because forex traders can actually trade a hundred dollars for every single dollar that they have in the market. Now to do forex trading it takes a little bit of an investment to get into it. I think you need to put at least a thousand dollars into a trading account to get started, but if you think about it, you can take that thousand dollars and leverage a hundred thousand dollars in your transactions. So it's by nature very, very high leverage, and it's a skill set that does take about a, learn, a year to learn. If you dive right into it, you're probably going to lose money. That's what I've heard very consistently from everyone I know that does it. But if you put about a year of solid training into it, you can really highly leverage your money. And if you don't want to leverage your money, you can get a job with a trading firm that will compensate you very handsomely to trade their money. And again, only takes about a year to get some real competency with it. Hold up. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in a little joke here about foreign exchange trading. Okay, so this guy he's from China. He comes to America with twenty dollars. So he goes to the foreign exchange at the airport, gives him twenty dollars. They give him twenty American dollars. He's like sweet. Goes back home to China. Comes back a couple weeks later. Gives him twenty dollars to exchange to American dollars. They give him ten dollars back. And he goes, Why don't they get ten dollars? The guy says fluctuations. He goes, fluctuations, fluctuations, fuck you Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one thing about uh, Forex, if you want to get into it, one thing a lot of people do is you can actually do like dummy Forex trading when you get into it, which is just using practice money, and you can just kind of dabble in it and just see how much money you lose or potentially make. So if it is something you want to get into, that's a fun way to start out and just kind of see how it goes with that. Yeah, we'll do a link in the show notes to what's called babypips.com. And so a pip is every time you have an uptick in your Forex trading profits, and that's the industry leader as a training ground for Forex trading. The next high leverage skill set is something Woody is very familiar with. I am. It's it's self promotion, which is an incredibly valuable skill. I think it's Missouri, which is called their state slogan is the Show Me State. 
You know, and you got to show people, you got to tell people about what you're all about so that you can sell them. Like, for instance, when people want me to speak for them, and they say, yeah, we're putting on this event. Before I ever tell them how much I'm going to charge them, I say, okay, here's a couple of things I can bring to your event. In previous events I've spoke at, this event X made $80,000 the year before I spoke at it. Then the year I did speak at it, they went up to $150,000. This event I spoke at went from $90,000 to $170,000 they made. So I'm showing them what I can do and what I can bring. I'm promoting myself and marketing myself to them showing what I bring to the table and why they should go with me as opposed to someone else. I'm going to give a tip for self-promotion. And this is something that gets categorized under things that are easy to do but a little bit uncomfortable to do. So very few people do them. So they are by nature high leverage. And that is acquiring third-party credibility for yourself and your services and what you do that you rock at. In my four years of the particular business I've been in and the over 100 clients that I've served, I've learned something very ironic about third-party credibility. Third-party credibility, which is testimonials and letters of reference by people that you've done good business with, is extremely valuable for marketing. Some marketing scientists have put a uh, have put an arbitrary value of about $500 on each testimonial that you can acquire. And if I would say if I look at how third-party credibility has helped me close deals, I would say that each testimonial you'll acquire is is worth about $500. However, a lot of business people are very uncomfortable asking their customers or clients for quality letters of reference, which is understandable. These people are paying you thousands of dollars for your time. They're paying you well for the products that you produce. It feels uncomfortable to ask them to write you a letter of reference on top of all of that. Now, this is ironic because most customers and clients if they get good service out of you, they are very willing to write you a letter of reference. So this is one of these things where if you want to be a good self-promoter, you, you have to get over yourself. You have to get over your feeling of uncomfortableness asking your clients for testimonials. And the hard truth of the matter is that you usually have to ask your clients or customers for testimonials about two or three times before they will give them to you. This isn't because they're unwilling to give them to you. This is just because they're busy with a lot of things and writing you a testimonial is pretty low down on their list of things to do. So make sure to ask people for letters of reference and that's one of the most effective parts of self-promotion. With with me asking, I, I, I like to ask my previous clients for letters of recommendation or testimonials and to make it easy on them, I outline four or five different things. I even give them some sample sentences so they can just basically rewrite what I want them to say about me. I mean, I know what I want them to say about me, so I'm like, yeah, you know, if you just want to go into detail about how I was really well prepared, how it helped the event go smoothly, how much fun people had with me there, and just go into three or four different things, so then when they have to do it, they already know what they have to say, and you're putting words in their mouth, which most people, if you did a good job for them, they are willing to write a testimonial, this will just help them. 
speed along the process because they don't have to put any thought into it. Make it easy on your clients. Take the creative burden off of their shoulders. A really basic tip for self-promotion is to simply get a Facebook and Twitter account and post funny stuff on there. And that's a really simple, easy way to get a lot of followers and get them to actually pay attention and listen to you. Good point. Those of you who follow me or Woody on social media know that we alternate between telling funny stories and sharing valuable content, which I think is a great recipe. Tip number 13 is to dress really well. And consistently, people that dress really well are regarded as being more authoritative, they're regarded as being more trustworthy, they're regarded as being more likable, and people are much more likely to hire you or do deals with you or go out on a date with you if you're dressed well. Yeah, I was thinking about it, and if a homeless person comes up to you on the street dressed in ratty clothes, looking dirty, and tries to give you some advice, there's no way you will ever put any solid advice, unless it's an awesome soup recipe you can make with a shoe or something. <laughs> but if a dude comes up to you in a press suit, looking fly, got a tie clip going on, looking solid, got some cufflinks, hair's all gelled, looking fresh, and he's like, hey man, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you'll be like, well... Okay, like I'm at least gonna like listen to you. I'm at least gonna like pay attention to what he's saying. So a long outfit, a nice outfit, can go a long way. I agree with that. And number thirteen segues really well into high leverage skill set number fourteen, which is be a really good interviewer. So we're talking about job interviews right here. Interestingly though, and I haven't personally interviewed for a job in quite some time because I've been running my own business for about the past four to five years, but the skill sets of being a good interviewer translate over to being a business person because when you're a business person, every time you're taking on a new client, you're essentially interviewing to provide that service for that client. Let's say uh, if you don't interview a lot, but you go on dates, what's a date if not an interview? I guess one uh, piece of advice I have for interviews, I recently did some interviews for some employees I was hiring for a small endeavor, and there were a couple of them that had really awesome resumes, and I said, oh, I want this guy, I really want him. So during the interview process, I, I was already convinced that I wanted to hire that person, so I spent a lot of my time focusing on telling that person how great my company was, how exciting it was, and basically, instead of interviewing them, I tried to sell them on the position. And what I realized, not to a huge extent, but a certain extent, is it really made them not take the job um, quite as seriously because they felt like I was more trying to convince them to join my company. And it's really a psychological thing that the harder people have to work and the more difficult it is for them to obtain a position, the more seriously and a lot they're going to take it and they're also going to put more value on it in their own mind. So if you're doing interviews, you see a guy you really want, Remember to uh, keep your game face on during the interview. Don't get excited and try and sell him and be all happy. Um, you know, put him on the spot. Make him answer questions. Uh, make him work for it a little bit more. And he's really going to, one, uh, if he has multiple offers, he's going to take your job offer more seriously. And then if he does get hired, um, you know, he's going to take the job a little bit more seriously. So that's one basic tip I learned myself about interviewing. That sounds like a date that you're just like, I like you a whole lot, and I think you're great, and uh, 
let's do this. And they're like, you know what? You're coming on a little strong. Yep. I'm going to back off and go with the Italian guy because he's got an <laughs> accent. Yep, exactly. Don't be a creeper on your interview, all right? <laughs> the final high leverage skill set is being a good networker. Now, you hear a ton about networking. I have a little nugget of unconventional networking wisdom to drop. And here's what it is. The secret to networking is not to meet a lot of people. The secret to networking is to make people feel like they are invested in you. So let's say that I go to, let's say you go to a cocktail party and you meet someone, they're like a realtor, they're an attorney or whatever, and you exchange business cards with that person, there's no value that's been exchanged there at all. All that's been exchanged is a business card and a handshake. The, the best way to make people feel like they're invested in you is to ask them for a favor. Ask them to do something for you. And especially if you meet someone within a networking environment, they are already in that environment. They're going to be much more willing to do a favor for a random stranger. And if you ask a person to do a favor for you, they are now invested in you. And in a sense, you owe them a favor back. But the reality of the situation is that the relationship has a lot more depth than just a business card exchange. So I'm not going to go too in-depth into being a good networker because it is such a big topic, but I will say that it's essential to make sure that people feel like they are invested in you, and that's the secret to really quality networking. So out of this list, I hope that you've identified some skill sets that you want to acquire or that you already have and that you want to continue to develop. Now, this is a podcast about applied neuroscience for living better, and so I'd recommend that you all check out an article that was published recently by a acquaintance and friend of mine, Dr. Mark A. Smith. And the article was How to Increase IQ, Working Memory Training, Smart Drugs, and TDCS Reviewed. And a lot of you will remember Dr. Mark A. Smith was the neuroscientist that heads up a department at the University of Cyprus. And he doesn't produce articles very frequently because he's very busy with his software company and with running his department. But when he does, his articles are very, very thorough. And so I thought this was a particularly good article. And it's actually quite relevant to skill set acquisition. Now, a lot of you are life hackers, and you're probably thinking, okay, this is great. So we've identified 15 different skill sets here that would be very useful to acquire to get ahead and make more money and live better in general. How can I hack the acquisition of these skill sets and acquire them faster than normal? How can I optimally tune my learning abilities so that I can pick up skill sets 
faster. Well, one of the most consistent ways to become better at acquiring skill sets is to increase your IQ and increase your fluid intelligence and increase the effectiveness of your working memory. And I have an interesting definition here of IQ and this comes from David Weschler who is the creator of the most widely used IQ test and here's what he said the global capacity of an individual to act purposefully to think rationally and to deal effectively with his environment that's the definition that David Weischler put on IQ the definition that Napoleon Hill who wrote think and grow rich put on it is a little bit shorter but it's very good action is the real measure of intelligence and I think that's really what our objective is here with these skill sets that we want to acquire is to act purposely and to act consistently and rationally dealing with our environments. And one way that is scientifically proven to increase your IQ and increase your working memory, which is the memory faculty that you use when you're working towards a goal like acquiring a new skill set or utilizing that skill set to get ahead in life is dual and back software training and I'm gonna use a metaphor for describing what exactly dual and back software training is imagine that your compute that your brain is a computer because your brain is a computer and like the computers that sit at your desk and the computers that you have in your smartphone your brain has RAM, the random access memory, and then it also has storage memory. And so your random access memory, your RAM, that's your conscious. And your unconscious is the storage memory. And like a computer, it is actually possible to increase the amount of RAM memory that you have and a scientifically verified way of doing this is dual NBAC training. Now dual NBAC training is I'll be honest with you not terribly exciting to do. It consists of playing a little computer game where you have a grid and you have blocks that flash in different positions of that grid and each time they flash it moves to a new position and if it repeats the position that it was in two sequences ago then you press a key on your keyboard to show the computer program that you recognize and that you're keeping track of where it was two ago. And if you will play dual NBAC training for 20 minutes a day for at least 20 days, it will create noticeable increases in your in your RAM. It will increase the amount of conscious memory that you have to devote to the tasks and to accomplishing your goals. And I've been playing dual NBAC training for a little while now and I've had an interesting experience with it. Like I said, to be honest with you, it's not very fun to play compared with a lot of the other computer games out there, if you've played any computer games, they're pretty amusing. Dual back training is not that fun, but I'll tell you what is really rewarding about dual back training is when you hit 100% accuracy on your dual back training, it gives this kind of silly 
trumpeting congratulatory sound. And no joke, that is such an awesome feeling to know that you are training your memory to be able to complete the dual end back task and score a perfect 100% on your on your sessions. And over time, I can definitely feel as my working memory and as the amount of conscious resources that I have to devote towards accomplishing my goals are actually increasing. And this is part of a process called neuroplasticity, which we've talked about in previous episodes. And so the article that Mark Ashton Smith published recently talks about increasing IQ in relation to memory training as well as in relation to nootropics and TDCS. I would highly recommend that everyone listening to this strongly consider starting a dual end back training regimen because it really will make your conscious mind much more attuned to acquiring new skill sets. And our recommendation here at Limitless Mindset for dual end back training is to go with the software that was developed by IQ Mindware. And we have an entire episode talking about the specific process that went into developing this software. It's the very best software on the market for building your fluid intelligence, building your IQ, and the software is priced very, very affordably. The High IQ Pro starts at, I believe, around $35, and then it goes up to about $60 for the multiple licenses version of the software. So it's something that pretty much anyone can afford, and it will definitely give you a return on investment for the cost cognitive power that you have to deal with situations and skill set acquisition. Now, you all know that our priority here at Limitless Mindset is always to hook you up with the best tools possible to increase your mind power. Our second priority is operating a profitable business, but our first priority is to always hook you up. So for those of you out there who might not have a credit card or if you can't afford the software from IQ Mindware, we have actually got some really great open source versions of the software that you can download for free and play as much as you want. And those are going to be available through a blog post that we published recently on our website. You'll actually be able to find it on the homepage of our website. It just says free dual end back training software for your Mac, PC, iPhone, or Android phone. Yes, that's right. You can download dual end back training software for your iPhone or your Android phone, which is really great if you're a person that maybe spends some time every day commuting, maybe you take public transportation, maybe you have to wait on buses or airplanes or trains or whatever and you've got a few minutes every day, devote that time to playing dual end back training on your smartphone and it will give you a real result. And best of all, it's completely free. Now, like I said, the software that IQ Mindware produces is the very best on the market, and that's what I use, and that's what's produced results for me and produced results for a lot of other people, and it has some real advantages over the free stuff because there are some 
limitations to the free software. There's a certain, there's something of kind of like a glass ceiling of cognition that you hit with the free software because the algorithms that they use for generating the patterns for the memory recognition are not quite as sophisticated as IQ Mindware software, but it will definitely create some results for you. So I would say if you don't have a credit card or if you can't afford the high IQ Pro, which we recommend first, definitely download the free software that's available on our website and it will definitely help you in your ability to acquire new skill sets. I will say though, do not download the software unless you are ready to make a commitment of 20 minutes a day for at least 20 days playing the games or else you're not going to really see significant results in brain power that are going to really make it worthwhile. Now some of you might be wondering, okay so I go and do my training for 20 minutes a day for at least 20 days and then I'm going to get some increases in my conscious amount of random access memory that I have for problem solving, for learning new skills, for dealing with challenging situations, etc. What happens when I stop playing this game? Is it like the movie Limitless where if you go off it, you lose it? No, actually, your brain forms new cognitive pathways based upon this dual NBAC training and it takes these new cognitive pathways and it utilizes them in the rest of your life. So it is in actuality a sustainable gain that you get from playing the game. So it's not something that if you lose the game or if you lose the time to play the game you're going to lose the cognitive gains. They're actually going to stay with you in perpetuity really and if you check out our website we have scientific studies that back up that particular claim so highly highly recommended to people that really want to become limitless check out the dual end back training software again recommend number one the IQ Mindware software which is available for purchase and download off of our website but if you can't afford it try out the free stuff because it will help also to wrap this episode up, we'd like to give you a download of a completely unrelated tool, but it's going to help make computer usage a whole lot easier on your eyes. It is called Flux Software, and it's a software which will turn down the brightness of your screen as it gets later into the night. And it's really bad for your eyes, and it's really bad for the way that your body treats its aging cycle if you're looking at bright computer screens late at night. It just wrecks havoc on your nervous system. So this software, which we'll have available on the show notes for this page, will cycle your computer into a less bright mode later at night. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Limitless Mindset Podcast. On behalf of all three of us Roseland boys, have a good night. <laughs>